Hello, you are listening to Miguel Daz, and we are here on Fruits for Thought. You are listening to episode one! Guest, uh, welcome onto the show, a special guest, Ryan Ozimi. Ryan, welcome to the show. Yeah, it's great to great to be here. Thank you. So Ryan is a senior at Franciscan University of Steubenville, where we both study. Ryan is in Koinonia, a household which is the upper level of the priestly discernment program. This is Ryan's going to be later sharing uh, how he discovered he was called to the priesthood and his journey into uh, the priestly discernment program here at Franciscan. Uh, Ryan is also one of the leading track runners for the Franciscan track team. Uh, he is head of carriage and ministry here on campus that goes to the nursing home. Uh, he is going to take his master's in mental health counseling, and he is a great and old friend of mine. So, Ryan, we're really happy that you're here. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. So, to start out this, uh, this interview, Ryan, uh, tell us a little bit about your vocation story and how you found that you were called to the priesthood. Yeah, so it's a really interesting story. So... Going all the way back to high school, um, actually going after the, my junior junior year of high school, I found myself in kind of like a weird spot. I had just gotten out of a breakup, got up, gotten out of a really good track season. Um, but I found myself kind of like in the midst of like, well, I don't really know what I want to do going like forward or like kind of like job. But I was like, I know what I really want to do. I want to get back to running. Hmm. Um, so I'd never really given kind of like cross country a chance hmm. uh so and because i never really liked it as much as track and field and basketball um so that summer i was like yeah i, w- I really want to give cross country a chance hmm. so i started like training every day and it got to the point where i was running like you know two to three times a day um what i was really extreme with it honestly <laughs> um but i just like began to enjoy it a lot i noticed like like the progress i saw in my running you know i was getting a lot better physical shape um and I just really enjoyed seeing, that's one of my things. I love, you know, coming better at different things that I'm not used to, um, but really the competitive side. Nice. Um, but re- really, the spark there was before and after I'd do a run, I began to start praying. You know, I'd ask hmm. the Lord, you know, St. Our Father, Hail Mary, and just help him, ask him to help me on my race um, or for the run I was doing then. Um, but that kind of like started a prayer life I never really had before. You know, I'd gone to Mass growing up. I went to Catholic school until the third grade. But I never really had, like, conversations and, you know, prayer time specifically, you know, talking to the Lord. Right. Um, and kind of what came out of that summer was the initial fruits of a prayer life. Um, and it drew me really to, number one, go to confession um, since I hadn't been, you know, in confession over a year probably. And number two, I really felt a call to start altar serving at our, at our parish because our, our parish uses a, a system for only guys, but only high schoolers too. So and, this was my last yeah. year. And, oh, I was about to ask you what, what year you were in, yeah. Yeah, so this was my, my, going to be my senior year. Right. Um, so both of those things happened. And I, I told Father after, or during the confession, I was like, yeah, I want to start altar serving. And he said, that's great. You know, he's like, and so uh, that senior year I began altar serving um every day like going back and forth from school was like a 20 minute drive 
So I started getting into the Bible, just reading it on my way there and back. Wow. Um, getting involved in uh, some of the little different groups on campus. Um, like Campus, sorry. Yeah, or sorry, um, school at the time. Oh, okay. So we had FCA, which was Fellowship for Christian Athletes, and we meet on um, Wednesday mornings and get to pray and just get to talk about, you know, Scripture or God in general. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of like the first fruits of really starting to develop there. Um, yeah. As someone, like, starting out, like, yeah. um, I don't know, I wouldn't... You were definitely Catholic already. You like you had a Catholic faith, but as, as someone who was like taking their faith more seriously, like yeah. what books of the Bible did you find most helpful? Like what what did you start out with? Uh, I so I, I went to the Gospels, kind of mm. like there's like kind of like the familiar ground that I was used to growing up. Um, but I really liked John. John, I was it's my favorite book of the book of the Bible. It's just because John was really personal in a sense, and that hmm. you know especially like John chapter seventeen and eighteen. Um, when the passion narrative really begins, yes, and how uh, <clears throat> deep those prayers were, I just I really connected with that, and how like familiar he made he made Jesus seem, you know. Yeah. Um, so that was a lot of my time spent in you know John, Luke, and Matthew, um, and Mark. Can't forget about Mark. <laughs> no, um, no, no. But I was I was really focused there, and I think that's that was a good starting point for me. Just really get the word of God, um, you know, from Jesus Himself and His His words. Before I expand it out even more. Yeah. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, I, I, I hope to do so myself as well. Like, as you were saying, John chapter 17. I, someone recommended, like, reading it during Holy Week especially. Yeah, it's very powerful. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. But yeah, um, so I kind of went through that senior year. Um, ultra serving about every week because I was on schedule. Um, really staying with the scriptures. Um, being involved in Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Um, and I was involved in my normal stuff, you know, like uh, playing basketball, well, running cross country, basketball during winter and early spring, and then track later on. Um, but really kind of what culminated out of that senior year, um, especially towards the end, was that I was in a much better place with God. I really, you know, he's putting something on my heart because I was, he's like slowly drawing me in, you know, kind of like at a steady pace, not really like a mm -hmm. huge conversion right away. Um, but there was initial, some initial seeds that needed to be planted. Um, and when it came time to the end of that year, um, I graduated as salutatorian of my class, about 26 students. Hmm. Um, and we, well, I had to write a, uh, what's it called? A salutatorian speech. Um, so I was like, you know what? There's nothing really I feel called to write about. Because I know salutatorian speech and valedictorian speeches in general are all pretty similar and just kind of like bland. But I wanted something like that would stick out, you know, something that would resonate with something that I wanted my classmates to have and the people in the crowd listening. So I was like, well, there's nothing better, nothing else better to really talk about other than God. You know, I, I felt nothing else on my heart at that time. And so during that time, I was like, well, I got to prepare for this speech and no better way to prepare than, you know, to pray. Um, so I went to our local, well, our parish adoration chapel. We have a perpetual adoration chapel mm -hmm. so i was like all right i'll spend a week praying about this and see what the lord really wants to to write for the speech um i remember so clearly even my dad dropped me off and i was like come pick me up in an hour um but i just sat there and you know i never really it's, it's funny to say that for that kind of like entire year of being you know growing in my faith i'd never really been before the lord in adoration that hmm. much even though we had a chapel right um but that was really the first instance in my life 
that I was able to sit down in the Lord and just be quiet um, and just receive. You know, I'd, I'd done a lot of talking. I'd done a lot of Hail Marys and Our Fathers. But to really be there and just to receive what the Lord had to say for me, mm. that was immensely impactful on me. Because I just felt like there was no other person in my life that had spoken to me quite like God and also knew me in the same sense. But that, like, I really felt like a heart-to-heart connection that I never felt with, like, another, you know, person. Wow. Um, and I just was like, when I left that chapel, I was like, I want to come back. You know, what I'd received, you know, that kind of like that love in that sense and that, you know, that presence of God was so overwhelming that I was like, I got to come back. I need more. You know, it only revealed to so much that he wanted to say in the speech. Um, but that, you know, I wanted to come back. There was there was a desire. Um, so I came back the next day, kind of like same feeling. Um, I did that kind of like the whole week. I, I just prayed about the speech and wanted to write and just praying in general too, just, you know, speaking to the Lord about different things in my life, you know, what he desired going forward. Um, but I came to like the end of that kind of like week and it came time to write the speech and it took like maybe five minutes. It was like all there right in my head of what I really wanted to convey. It, it just flowed out of you. Yeah, it just flowed like very naturally. And huh. I was like, this was awesome. And then I, maybe a couple of days later, is actually time to, well, it is a couple of weeks. I had to first present it to uh, kind of like the our, our person in charge of, you know, the essays and make sure it's good with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it actually came time to write the speech, I was like more confident like than ever. Like I'm usually like nervous, like, you know, public speaking, speaking in front of a crowd. Um, when I gave that, I was just like so confident, you know, so like, you know, the Holy Spirit was definitely working there. Mm. And I really, the central message was kind of like whatever you do, wherever you go, um, first and foremost, you have to have a relationship with God or nothing else, you know, will truly matter and you won't be satisfied mm. in life. And I remember using uh, the scripture quote, quote, asking you shall receive, seeking you'll find, knocking the door will open. That's something that really stuck out my prayer time, especially for me, um, but something I wanted to convey to, you know, the audience and my classmates present. Um, but and, and also, you went to a public school, right? Yeah, it was a public this school. This was at a public school. That's, yeah. Was it a... How did they take it? Like, were they really They receptive? took it really well. Um, hmm. The public school I went to was very much a Christian community, so a lot hmm. of different faith backgrounds, but very, um, like, Christ-centered, I would say, for a public school. A lot of people of faith. Hmm. Wow. Huh. And even my, uh, well, my brother-in-law now, he wasn't before, um, but he said, you know, I never heard a speech like that. Somebody had the audacity to go up there and, you know, speak about God like that. And that's something, you know, even everybody asked really had an impact. But I think more importantly, most importantly, is very impactful on me. Um, because going forward, like, that was kind of like the takeoff point, like, for the summer. Like, I, I really became, like, involved just, like, in the church and God, like, for, first and foremost. Like, I was, like, a huge gamer. All the, <laughs> like, during the summers, I sat down in front of a game, like, a, an Xbox and TV, and played Xbox, like from dawn to dusk like it's pretty sad <laughs> but you know that was my life for a long time um but during the summer I hadn't even like touched a video game and which is like radically different from you know the past eight summers beforehand um because i was just so unraveled in the, the faith and like i guess the holy spirit really inspired me just like take it forward you know so i started attending daily mass it's going to daily daily adoration reading lives of the saints and the scriptures and i just became so like 
and reveled in it all, and it all made like perfect sense, you and, know. And this was all like during your like your senior, your super senior, senior year, senior, senior summer, senior so summer, the summer I right see. after I graduated. Right. Um, but even even then, I didn't even have a car. I was just biking to church. Wow. Um, but I, you know. I just love every single minute of it. And there's nothing else I really like want to do. I was just like encapsulated like in the presence of God, which was really great because that's just exactly what I needed and what I was looking for. And now I had, I'd finally found it, you know, in the church and, and altar serving and going to mass and adoration, you know. And it became my life for like that whole summer. Like everything else kind of like stopped and I was really centered on God. Um, wow. And that was really important because... What came out of that at the end of the summer was that, in one perspective, I was like, all right, God, I'm really ready to move on, you know, and begin my life, you know, kind of like, you know, that incentive that most parents and, you know, other people teach, like, you know, you graduate, you go to college and you get a career. And I was kind of like on that path still. And I was like, well, God, I'm going to go, you know, my community college Mm -hmm. and start my exercise science degree. Oh. Um, yeah, so that was kind of like the initial thoughts, and I was like, well, I can continue this, but, you know, I'm kind of doing my own thing, and that was, I was kind of saying that to God in adoration, kind of like two weeks out from going to college, community college, hmm. and I was kind of, you know, you sometimes you babble off to God, you talk, and you know, conversation, that was, that was kind of one of those moments, uh-huh. and then I was kind of just like in silence for a little bit, I was like, well, God, what do you think? And it's, it's pretty funny, um, because... God was like, well, you know, he was listening to me, of course. He's like, well, what if I'm calling you to the priesthood? Oh, and that was kind of like that moment right there. I was like, whoa, okay. Um, I was not expecting that because <laughs> it, it certainly was not of me because I had no desire, intention, or thought of the priesthood. It just, the thought just came to you. Yeah, it came right there and then. Were you like in, where were you? I was in adoration. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um... And I was like, whoa, that, that's interesting. But all of it made sense in the context of who I was as like a person and like what the Lord was doing um, kind of like in the midst of that summer, especially kind of like my devotion to wanting to, that desire to be around the church, to be at mass, yeah. to altar serve, um, that love for God was stirring my heart. But then again, it made sense with who I was. I've, you know, I, especially in high school and through like, community service and you know different uh groups in high school I was involved in like FFA and student council I'd really developed a model of service and I saw my life you know what I wanted to do in my life specifically uh was in the service of other people that's where I kind of like felt the most joy um and so in those regards I was like what better thing to do than serve the people of God in the church and you know sacrifice my life for them and I think that's what God was really kind of like pointing towards and so I was like, well, I guess I'm not going to community college now. <laughs> um, you know, I told my parents, of course, I told my pastor, and they were like, yeah, that, that really does make sense. And they were really, you know, supportive and excited. That's a blessing, um, yeah. And then I got in contact with my vocation director, and, you know, that kind of, like, started the process of me discerning with my diocese. And while well, I was a little bit past the point to enter seminary at that point, um, but I would be in, uh, I'd be able to enter next year. But that kind of like, I, need, I continue, needed to continue to discern this, you know, this calling. Um, so kind of during that gap year, I just really stayed close to the church. Um, I had to take care of my grandpa at the time and 
My grandma was in a nursing home, so I took care of him at home. Um, and just really that continual process of prayer. I didn't I didn't work at the time because, you know, I'd, my intention was of entering seminary and, you know, really staying close to prayer yeah. um, and, and Mass and, you know, continuing that relationship is first and foremost. Yeah. And just, just uh, going back to the beginning again, like, <clears throat> you said, like, what what started all of this you think like i know you said you had just broken up with your girlfriend yeah and then uh do you think that had anything to to do with it or yeah or? i'd say kind of like at that point i was just kind of like i was at the highest point in my life and almost lowest because i'd you mm. know i'd gone to the state track meet i'd i'd placed third i felt like on top of the world in that respect but then again i just felt like my world had come crashing down, you know, breaking mm. up with the relationship, you just feel kind of like loss yeah. in a sense. And that, you know, I needed some aspect of kind of like, I guess like truth. Like what is, what is it like meaning in my life? Like, what am I, you know, why am I sitting in front of an Xbox all summer? You know, <laughs> there's got to be something more than this, you know? Interesting. Yeah. I, and it's funny that I found it through running, you yeah. know, is that it's kind of like started there. Yeah. I really think it's, it's beautiful. Like, for me, for me, like meeting Franny is at Franciscan. <laughs> like yeah. it always seems like once people reach a low point, that's when God like draws them to yeah, Himself. Yeah, it, it was a low point, and yeah. I kind of like distracted myself. Of course, I had like a a mediator in the terms of like video games to distract myself from you know feelings of loneliness and you know like break up like that heartbreak, you know, and something to put me in the way. But it, in a sense, it was like kind of working, but it wasn't solving the bigger issue of like. Like, who am I and what I want to do with kind of like my life? You know, what's my purpose? Right, right. Um, and that's where kind of like the prayer came in. And really that aspect of God gave me, a, yeah. you know, the sense of a deeper purpose yeah. um, in my life. And I find that fascinating that you said it was through running that yeah. you started like praying. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Huh. So we'll get to that a little bit later. Yeah, that's yeah. No, yeah. But that has some very deep, deep implications to like um, my faith and, and running. There's, they've gone hand in hand. Right, yeah. And uh, so to, to st uh, pick up, you said you were, um, you were doing your gap year. Yeah. Uh, and then you were thinking of entering seminary. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, yeah, did you apply? And so, yeah, I got, you know, I met, met my vocation director um, at least four or five times. And uh, he got me an application. And I was actually basically like a psych evaluation away from, like I was basically accepted. I just needed to get my psych evaluation. Hmm. Um, so it came around um, February of that year. I met with my vocation director last time. He's like, you know what, you're ready, basically. Um, so just we'll get a, a psych evaluation set up and, you know, come May, you'll be accepted into, into seminary. And I was like, yes, this is like what I've been waiting for this whole <laughs> time. Uh, you know, I was kind of running out of patience in a sense that hmm. I really wanted to, you know, begin this next step of my, next step of my journey. Um, and kind of like that same month too, I was back at our parish and I walked into our, uh, pastor's office and he, he just kind of like, the first thing he said is like, Hey, I'm taking a trip up to Franciscan university. Would you like to go? Um, cause I'm taking a group up here in about two weeks. And I was like, at first I told him, I was like, no, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to go. Um, and he's like, you sure? And I was like, yeah, I just, you know, I don't really have any desire to visit the campus and I'm already in application with seminary. I just... You know, didn't at the point I didn't want anything to distract me from entering seminary, hmm. um, and then I kind of brushed it off and came back a week later, and he asked the same thing, and I 
for some reason, you know, I was just like, you know what? I'll, I'll go. Like, what the heck? I've never been up north, like, in my entire life. Um, and I'd always heard about this university and, like, people mm-hmm. talking about how great it was, the priests, like, you know, the, the teachers, the people were just, you know, very deep in their faith. And I was like, yeah, what what the heck? It's a free trip. Why am I saying no to this? <laughs> hey, there you go. Um, <clears throat> so kind of like that next week, uh, we took a plane up to Pittsburgh and we arrived on campus. And I was like, the first thought was that this terrain and this atmosphere is very different from what I'm used to. You know, being down in Texas, <laughs> Texas. everything flat, you know, very <laughs> modern. Um, then I saw like Steubenville and kind of like the surrounding areas were very hilly, you know. Um, but it was pretty cold outside. It wasn't snowing yet, but pretty cold. And mm. um, things were a lot older. So it's it something I wasn't used to. Um, but I, we get to campus and I'm like, I didn't know it was on top of a hill. <laughs> it's like, yeah. really? That's kind of interesting. Um, but my first impressions um, were pretty impactful. Because, you know, I, I got to go to mass. I got to go to... You know, lunch. We sat down with Father uh, Sean Sheridan at the time, oh, wow. former president. Yeah. Um, but just like being around campus, going through the dorms, the first impression I had was of the people, like how joyful, excited, you know, present they were. They weren't didn't have headphones in. They didn't have the head sound. You know, they're smiling. And I was like, wow. It's like, okay, there's got to be something to this. You know, you don't <laughs> see these. You know, even on Catholic campuses. You don't see people this joyful and happy. Right. Um, and I, you know, I got that impression of why that was because, you know, I went to mass and everybody's singing, everybody's praising the Lord. You know, they're very engaged in the liturgy. Um, and you know what? It, it stemmed from that. You know, their their devotion and like prayer lives, you know, gave them that sense of joy and, you know, happiness that most people don't have. And that was really impactful on me when I, when I got to experience that. And even in like praise and worship. Now we had praise and worship back home. I'd been to different youth conferences, but there was nothing like that. Like people, like shouting at the top of the lungs, like praising God, moving their hands everywhere. And did you go to a fop? Oh uh, no, it's just Tuesday praise and worship. Oh okay, okay. Cool. Yeah, and like people speaking in tongues, and it's just like whoa, this is like the Holy Spirit's definitely working here. And I was mm-hmm. like, that had a, a very big impact on me. But still, even coming out of that, kind of like praise and worship session uh and just we were in somebody's height at that time just kind of like sleeping on their on their uh the living room floor mm-hmm. um but i was still thinking to myself i was like well i don't know if i really like want to come here i know how great i you know i experienced how just how great it was but i was like i kind of got my sit up back home like i got seminary yeah. it's free it's you know i can discern my you know call the <clears throat> priesthood and uh i can be close to my family you know i was like yeah, I don't think I'm really going to come here. Like, there's no intention still. And that was this, the second night of our trip. And so the third night, um, it actually completely snowed in. Oh, um, shoot. Like five, six inches of snow. Never seen this much snow in my life. We were having the time of our life. We were building snowmen, <laughs> throwing snowballs at each other. Went to Bob Evans. And oh. it was like, it was, it was awesome. And, uh, but that was kind of like the last day of our trip. And they, they canceled class, too. So we still had our tour that day um, anyways. And so we toured around campus and the buildings, the chapel, the field house, um, completely empty. <laughs> um, but we were going through uh, actually admissions 
and they were kind of like passing out the application forms and I was kind of like pushed to the side because <laughs> I was like no still no intention um but it was actually like one of our last places to go was a field house oh huh. and it's really funny because when I walked in there I started getting these old thoughts in my head I was like well I could see the pictures of the athletes and I saw that they had a track and field program and a cross country program and I was like I didn't know that and I was like that's something I really wanted to continue after high school but I, I never did get to um and then I I remember you know they had a priestly discernment program they have you know they have a place where I can discern you know this calling that the Lord's put on my heart and I mean even like just beforehand coming to Franciscan University like seeing that you know, how St. Francis was starting to appear in my life, and I'd read his autobiography and, you know, different prayers to him, and I just felt that, you know, in that sense, all these little things were popping up at that moment. <coughs> and I was like, oh, what are you doing here, God? And then, and then, you know, one of the most incredible things happened in my life. Um, when we were walking out of the field house and heading just a little bit past the JC, like, just about ready to go. Like, we were leaving. And... I was just a little past like the the clipboard with all the like posted signs of what's going on on campus and I just felt like the most incredible like Holy Spirit moment like ever had in my life. I just felt like a very overwhelming presence of God and that kind of like at that particular moment I knew like almost for certain that I was going to go to Franciscan. Like there's no doubt in my mind that God wanted me here and I never felt something quite like that before um and it just touched me like not like even like feeling that call towards the priesthood like even this was more impactful from that um and i just stood there and i was like in awe i was like what just happened like i was like i knew at that moment i was going but i was like my mind had completely changed wow and and that was excuse me uh, I've got a little bit of a cold here, <laughs> but and that was just within like a couple moments. Just like you walked into the field house, yeah, had some it thought. was instantly. Wow! And uh, even I told my pastor and some of my friends like, yeah, I don't think I'm coming here. And then immediately I changed. I think I was like, yeah, I'm going here, like with a, a very much a certainty. And my pastor wasn't surprised. He was just like, oh, okay. And he, he kind of knew. Wasn't su- yeah. Wow. That was kind of surprising. He just was like, oh, good. Um, my friends, yeah, I told them what happened kind of like on the, on the way back, but even just that plane ride back, I felt like just so at peace with God. Like I was, you know, just praying scriptures and, you know, I prayed my rosary, but I just felt so like in the presence of like the Holy Spirit that like nothing else mattered. Like just like kind of like that summer I talked about, like I just felt so close to God and that there's this assurity there of what he wanted to, to do. He wanted me to come to Franciscan. Wow. Um, and of course I'd prayed about that, kind of like coming home, you know, to be sure that this was something that the Lord wanted to do, because it's, it's a drastic change. You know, I'm going from entering seminary, like, in two months, and being in contact with my vocation director from, to going to Franciscan. And, uh, you know, my pastor understood, and I kept getting the same, you know, affirmation and prayer that that's what the Lord really wanted to do. And, you know, kind of like that central message was that he wanted me to grow in closeness and uh like unity with the holy spirit really mm. to grow in devotion um and that's what he really wanted to do at franciscan um and so i kind of like told my parents and 
they were my dad was kind of like chill he always is with things like that <laughs> my mom was really confused and she was really kind of like didn't want me to leave um mm. and then my vocation doctor i called him and he was really confused <laughs> um but you know everything worked out you know finances you know my mom being in you know desiring me to go eventually kind of like letting go um and because she really didn't want me to leave more than anything um but everything kind of like worked out and that's how i entered into franciscan in the fall of 2019 wow yeah yeah and and I'm so glad that God did call you here for yeah, right? I'm like, yeah, you. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have known you. Like that that's crazy to think about. And you would have been in seminary while I was here and yeah, stuff. Kind of the crazy point <clears throat> of all that too was I might have even I think it was Providence, you know, brought me in at that time. But even during that summer where I'd really go, grew in closeness to the Lord, I felt it was so weird. I felt a really strong calling to attend the Steubenville conference mm. that our, our pastor goes to every year and it's down in Irving, Texas. Um, and for some reason, that was on my heart, like, very much. But I just, like, I don't know. I kind of, like, resisted it and didn't go. Huh. But then looking back, I was like, well, maybe I should have gone. <laughs> but I think the Lord was doing, definitely doing some work there that, I, yeah. I, you know, I later realized. And, yeah, that's it's great to, like... The Lord puts desires on our hearts, but like even if we don't respond, God will be like, "Okay, I'll give him some time." And then, you know, later on, like He did get yeah, me absolutely. to Franciscan and stuff, which is. Yeah, I mean, it's totally worth it. You know, yeah. the people I've met, including you. Oh, thank you, good stuff. Absolutely, um, yeah. it's and the encounters, you know, and the priestly sermon program is just just such great formation. You know, life experience that I definitely needed to grow through and mature a level of maturity that I needed to establish. But it's been. No, an amazing like four years and I wouldn't take it back for nothing yeah it, it's funny how you mentioned how you felt called like in the field house and then when you exited the field house because um, to our viewers out there we have a, a good friend named Liam Galligan um, who was one of our top runners here at the cross country and tra track team here at Franciscan and he also felt called to come to Franciscan in the field house and right outside the field house wow. actually it's really funny, actually. Like, I just put two and two together while you were talking. I didn't Ryan. think about that. Yeah. Good and, about story. And to me, I don't know, that says, maybe I'm just heavily biased here, but that says something special about our program. Like, you guys felt called outside the field house where we meet every day to practice. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, God wanted to assemble a team of specific individuals and, um, yeah. No, absolutely. That's, that's really cool. Yeah. <clears throat> but, um... Yeah, to continue that, you were talking about how you joined the Priestly Discernment Program here, Ryan. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about uh, that and your experience with the program? Yeah, so Priestly Discernment Program is a little different than, you know, kind of like your regular seminary, but sort of like the same formation. It's just a unique program that Franciscan itself has um, for men discerning priesthood and specifically men attending Franciscan University. Um... And so it's the equivalent of sort of like a minor seminary. You know, you'll, you'll do your philosophy studies normally for most guys. Um, and the real focus is establishing, you know, relationship with God, but a steady prayer life. You know, we have definitely commitments to mass every day, uh, daily rosary. Well, for koinonia, um, yeah. daily mass. Yeah. What are the commitments of koinonia for you specifically, Ryan? Yeah, like, so, what do you do daily? Uh, for koinonia, um, so we have commitments of daily mass, um, a daily rosary. And a daily holy hour oh, wow. and uh, morning and evening prayer, um, and we're also committed to 
a ministry, which is for me is Carajin, which I'm leading this year. Um, and for regular spiritual direction with our spiritual director and meetings with Father Jonathan. So like kind of like formation meetings. Wow. And kind of like in addition to this too, um, we have kind of like sort of formation nights where we'll have a holy hour and evening prayer and time for praise and worship. Um, and then we'll have a speaker for the week speaking about a different topic, you know, related to how we could be like just form better and, you know, our human spiritual uh, dimensions. Yeah. So, yeah, as a student, how do you find time to fit all that in? Like mass, holy hour and evening and uh, morning prayer. Like, how do you do it? Yeah. So it's definitely not easy, um, especially, you know, taking four or five classes and studying psychology. Um, but it's just in the, you have to have a really good practice of time management, hmm. um, which is really emphasized in the program just due to the, you know, relative busyness of everything. Um, so you just def definitely have to be on top of things, you know, it's, you have time for leisure, time to relax and hang out with friends. Um, but there's definitely got to be a good balance to it. So usually, you know, starting off the, the morning with, uh, with morning prayer and then, you know, sometimes breakfast and then classes and usually go to noon mass um, and sometime after noon mass and at night I'll get my holy hour in, rosary. Um, but it's definitely a lot, you know, especially being a runner too. Yeah, but I guess that's good because I like how that trains you and as a priest, I'm sure you're going to be busy as oh, well. Yeah. So like that'll train you to like fit in that prayer time and uh, yeah, rosary and stuff. you to make the most of your time. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about Kerogen ministry and what do you do there? So uh, Kerogen is a nursing home ministry here in Steubenville. Um, and the basis of the relationship, I mean, not relationship, the <laughs> basis of the ministry um, is getting students to really um, come and see the residents on Sundays. Um, but to really make them, you know, our focus is really to make them known and loved. You know, because a lot of the residents there, um, you know, they have the nurses, they have some family coming in and out. Well, a lot of them just don't have that, you know, necessary human relationship that is necessary to human flourishing. And uh, our role is to really just to be present to them, you know, to receive, to talk with them, um, you know, listen to their stories, but just, you know, to have that relationship, you know, it's a very relational ministry um, and it's a very pro-life ministry. Because, you know, you're seeing a lot of people towards the end of their life, you know, they're getting ready to pass on, um, but they they really need to recognize that even at that moment in their life, that they're really still loved by God, um, but that there's still people in their life, you know, that want to have a relationship with them. They want to talk to them, you know, and right. that's something necessary to human flourishing. Um, so that's a, really the basis of the ministry. Yeah, as someone who has a, a sister who's confined to bed, like I can really like relate to the residents, and and I'm so glad. I, I actually, for our viewers there, I, I attended today, and yeah, it was just awesome, just seeing the residents. One of the women actually, uh, she turned to a bunch of us and said, "Do you guys drink?" <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, actually, I do." And they were like, "Wait, what?" Yeah. And then uh, I was. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm of age, obviously. And she said, if you have a girl in your car, take it easy, okay? <laughs> so I was like, oh my gosh. So it, it's, to our viewers out there, you should definitely do carriage in ministry. It is a, a delight. And also, it's, it's also a, 
how to put this nicely, it's it's like an easy ministry. Yeah. Like it's it's just talking with people, you know, but it means a lot to them. Um yeah, and it's it's definitely, you know, so refreshing to their souls and refreshing to our souls as well, just to give of our time on a Sunday just like that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like you said, like it's really, you know, we're there for them, but also there to receive. You know, I every time I come out of the nursing home I just feel like, you know, a deep sense of satisfaction that, you know, I think, you know, God directly blesses that ministry because, you know, it's his children, you know, and they're often lonely and, you know, kind of abandoned. Yeah. Um, but it's a work of mercy, you know, visiting, you know, essentially the sick. Um, but essentially those who have been, you know, most often forgotten in society, you know, when we really get the time and, you know, to, to talk to them, and, you know, make sure that they're known, loved, um, God definitely blesses that, you know, fills you with his, you know, definitely a grace there. Absolutely. Yeah. Hmm. <clears throat> but moving on, tell me a little bit about your experience running here at Franciscan. I know. Oh, you, yeah. Yeah. They've taken away. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll start a little bit, um, kind of like prior to Franciscan cause it'll, it'll make a connection of how it's different. Kind of like the Franciscan sure. you know, running team. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd started in high school, well, even before that, I started in junior high. Um, not too seriously, but I just always had a little bit of a knack for running. I, I kind of enjoyed it, and I started a little bit more towards like distance, like you know, a mile, a two mile, which is very different from what I do now. Um, and I did that in junior high, enjoyed it, but it wasn't until like kind of like high school that I kind of like sophomore year that I started taking running a lot more seriously. I I found that I kind of found a nice race, like I wasn't as fast and I wasn't you know oriented towards much long distance. So kind of like the 800 meter dash hmm. fit very well from kind of like my style of running and what I like to train for. And so it's actually sophomore year that I found myself at the regional meet. Um, and I was kind of like seated. I was seated pretty close to last, honestly. I didn't have a great time hmm. coming in. That was around 2.15. And uh, I was like, all right, I'm not, I know I'm in pretty good shape. I'm going to take this race out pretty hard. Um, and so... We get out, start of the race. Um, I get around the first curve pretty fast, a lot, nor- a lot faster than normal. I'd never done this, so I was like kind of like experimenting, and I'm sort of like in between second and third place, and uh, I realize it's like wow, I'm going pretty fast. And we get around to like the last probably 200, 100 meters, and I realize oh, I'm running out of gas. <laughs> um, but you know, I take it out pretty fast, and that was expected. Um, but we had about, around that last bend, we had about three guys all together, like from 175, 50, even 25 meters left. We were almost all at the same like spot, like trying to get to the finish line. And by the time we got to like the last 10 meters, I could feel my legs like giving out. I was like, oh no, I'm not gonna be able to get through this race. But I just had enough like gas in me to just get through like a couple more steps and actually fell over the finish line. No way. And I was like, oh, this is so close. Like, there's three guys all together right there. And then I was, I was kind of like on the ground. I'm like, oh, this hurts. <laughs> um, but I was like, did I get it? And I was like, did he? Because you have to get top two to get to state. Right. And uh, I look up the scoreboard and it shows the first guy, 204.6, like, like just 204.6. Uh-huh. And I'm waiting for the second guy. 
and then it pops up, and it's not me. Oh! It's a guy. They'd edge me out just barely, like no. by like two tenths of a second. Oh. Um, but what was actually I didn't know this rule at the time, but like a week later, my coach says, "Hey, you made this a state meet." What? I'm like what? And I was like, "How to do that?" And I, uh, well, he had already knew, but um, he just didn't tell me. Um, I know. Yeah. Oh, dude. Um, but I'd actually had the third fastest time out of the other four regions. Oh. So I qualified um, as the ninth runner. So I, cool. it all worked out, and you know, I I made the state meet. I I did pretty well. <coughs> I think I I see the ninth and placed seventh. Um, and then, and then the following year, I made it back to the state meet. Um, and placed third. So I was, I was, and then senior year, I got injured. Um, but I really just found my like home with like track and field. Hmm. I really felt like I played basketball. But basketball in high school was my favorite sport until kind of like sophomore, junior year. And I realized that, you know, through like running and, you know, especially specifically sprinting and middle distance running, I felt like it's like finally a sport where I could give like my all. Like I, I love that feeling of just like, you know, going to practice, hitting hard workout, you know, and it just like completely wrecked me. You know, <laughs> that's not normal, but I just like, it gave me a deep sense of satisfaction, like even more than like basketball did. Cause I knew that, you know, this is what, like who I was. I wanted to give my all to a sport. I was very competitive. Um, and that translated well when I was able to see that in my reflecting in my times, I was improving, you know, that constant, um, need to like improve and get better was something that drove me a lot and drove me to you know train harder um and so that was kind of like i took that mentality from high school um over to franciscan but i encountered a new problem in that you know me and you both had a very <laughs> successful um you know track and field like first year freshman, freshman year, year. Yeah, yeah um and i felt that same like like cross country was hard, you know, because um, I I had insomnia. I was sleeping, you know, four or five hours a night and mm-hmm. just just not getting enough recovery. But I just managed to get just enough, like six hours a night, to actually you know train really hard, you know, be in the weight room and still be able to recover well enough. So I felt that, especially with Coach O and his, he put a different emphasis, I'd say, on track than I had in high school. You know, I was so really focused on myself my own accomplishments and you know he's he's like yeah this is really about a family you know this is really about community and being there for each other right um and that added definitely a new element that i never had to track before and pushed me you know to train harder because you know i'm training i'm not just training for myself anymore i'm training for the people around me like you know like you and yes trying to help you to become better um and you know <clears throat> trying to help our relays um and that puts such a different incentive and such a different focus you know that I think having God as the center of track um, really made a difference because you know if you just run for yourself, um, you can go as fast as you want and you achieve as as many goals as you want. But at the end of the day, it's just like, what did I do for you know the rest? What did I do for my community? What did I do for my teammates? You know there was like it's really kind of like selfish, you know, and just like you get a gold medal and good. That's you know. But there's no value. There's no meaning behind that metal. It's just you know a piece of piece of gold, and even it's not real gold for us unless you go to the Olympics. Yeah, true. Um, yeah. But you know you gotta have a. I saw that I needed to have a deeper meaning and different, deeper purpose. Um, and I really began at that point investing myself 
a lot more of my teammates in the community. Um, and really, you know, I'd seen some good achievements. I got third at or third at conference and even PR'd in the 800. Um, Are you talking about our freshman year? Yeah, yes, freshman yes, year. Yeah. Um, but even like through that time, you know, after that, I'd had struggles with injuries, you know, through sophomore, junior year and like just sleeping issues. So I think throughout that, God was really trying to show me, hey, like before anything else, you know, before like incentives and goals and trying to make, you know, the fastest times, that's not really what's as important. You know, what's important is that you're really getting involved in these people mm. and their lives and leading them towards God um, through running specifically, but, uh, you know, even through prayer, um, you know, their commitment to mass and, you know, um, all those things being more specifically emphasized was really what was different about, you know, the track and field program here. Yeah. No, the vibe on the team of, you know, running for God is, you know, very unique to Franciscan. I mean, obviously like, I'm sure other Catholic schools do this as well, but, uh, it's definitely felt here. And for me, even I agree, Ryan, like running, uh, running, especially relays to me, at least. Yeah. It's like, I feel so much more drive to give of myself. Like yeah. <laughs> there's this one meet where I did the 400 mm-hmm. and I can, I mean, I did okay. I, I yeah. think I ran a very good time for considering I'm not a 400 meter yeah. runner. This was this past track season, our junior year. Yeah. And then, but later on we did a four by four and I swear I ran an even faster time. Yeah. Even though I was more tired, even though I had run two events that day. And to me, that speaks of like what you were saying, like running for others, like, I don't know. There's something precious about relays to me. And, uh, yeah. No, absolutely. I'd even say, like, even though I love the 400 and the 800, I'd still say that 4x4 is my favorite event in track and field. Because of that meaning. Like, I, you know, in a 400 or 800, you're by yourself. You know, you're running to get to the finish line. You know, it's just a line. Yeah. But, you know, when you're 4x4 and you have somebody handing a baton off to you and you're handing a baton off to somewhere else, there's much more incentive to, you know run yeah. faster and you got you and reliance somebody, on each other yeah you're yeah. running for somebody else and i think that's really what's you know not just in a relay um but the whole goal of you know our program is like running for something somebody else but running for something greater you know there's a that's something that's you know has been incentivized um in our program but that's you know every day i, I try to think of that and you know i've recently been praying is like you know what can i do to you know improve on this is like i thought that uh you know there's definitely an element of suffering that yes. i'd like to you know incorporate in the team this year because you know suffering is the most the thing we can't avoid in life um but what god has made you know essential means as a part of our like kind of like redemption that emphasis on like embracing your suffering as a means you know achieving your salvation um and there's, you know, a lot of souls out there that really need, you know, our prayers, you know, our, our suffering offered up to God. And so what I've really started to do is like, kind of like before and even during like, you know, my workouts, especially towards the end, you know, offering up the sufferings of that workout for somebody who in my life, like my grandma or kind of like my sister or my parents. Yeah. Um, and that not only does that, you know, those prayers go towards them, you know, and towards the salvation souls. Um, but it also gives you a deeper purpose too. You know, you feel like, man, I'm just running to get through this last rep. It's like, no, I'm running for them. You know, I'm running mm. for souls. Um, and I think that's something that I definitely want to incorporate as a team. Right. You know, to really emphasize that, you know, that Christ-centered, you know, element of running too. 
I should do that more as well. That's yeah, that's beautiful, Ryan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I think it's time we move to the final topic yeah. for our uh, interview today, and that, friends, as you know, this is a this is a podcast where I have guests, but also we talk about virtue and we talk about the opposing vices of those virtues. And today we're starting with the first fruit of the spirit, which is charity. And it, yeah, it basically is the greatest fruit of the spirit because it's the only, out of the three theological virtues, faith, hope, and charity, it's the one that will last in heaven. Like faith and hope, you know, those are mainly to help us get to heaven, but charity will be in heaven. Uh, the catechism in its index defines charity as, quote, the theological virtue by which we love God above all things for his own sake and our neighbor as ourselves for the love of God. So as we begin this discussion on charity, sorry, I forgot to do this earlier, Ryan, yeah. but let's open, <laughs> yeah, let's open this discussion with a prayer. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Dear God, we thank you, uh, Lord, for this opportunity for Ryan and I to do this podcast and uh, just, uh, Learn from Ryan of the just some life lessons, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for, for Ryan's witness today. Um, please let Ryan and I continue to witness to you, God, on the topic of charity. And come, O Holy Spirit, enlighten us and let us know and our viewers today know how we can be more charitable so as to love you more and love our neighbor better. Holy Spirit, come. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> yeah. So to start out this discussion, um, the I was looking at up some antonyms for the virtue of charity on <laughs> dictionary.com. And obviously the one that came up was malevolence, which is willing bad for people, like wishing bad on people. St. Thomas Aquinas defines love, which is basically the same as charity, as willing the good of the other and you know to me i to me i don't see this too much as a problem actually nowadays people wishing bad purposefully to me i what i see is the direct uh attack on charity we have nowadays is just negligence especially in america we are so busy we are so obsessed with doing our own thing our own homework, our own leisure, our own Netflix, that we lose track of other people. It becomes all about me. And I, I Father Mike Schmitz gave a homily about this man, it was some country in uh, Southeastern Asia, maybe it was Indonesia, but, but it was a country where the faith was basically persecuted. And he was a man who would suffer torture to still believe to still proclaim that he believed in the Eucharist. And it's such a beautiful story, but he ended up moving to the United States. And guess what? He lost his faith. This was a man who would have suffered torture in his old country for the Eucharist. But in the United States, he gave in to the culture. Our culture is just so focused on ourselves that he, he saw that it was the way of the people. He, you know, he was not very rich back in his home country. But here he thought like, hey, I can make bank. I can, I can become somebody here in America. You know, live out the American dream. Which is, you know, awesome. But 
But the fact is he lost sight of something more precious than that. And Father Mike Schmitz closed his talk by saying, you know, <clears throat> if, if we live in a culture that naturally does that, that naturally pulls people away from their purpose, that means we as Americans, as Catholics in America, need to fight extra hard to remain selfless, to remain focused on God, to remain focused on the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, just just that sin of negligence, focusing on 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 only ourselves and not on God. It, it, it's very striking here in America. Yeah, but um, <clears throat> but you know, we were just talking about carriage and ministry a moment ago, Ryan. So, have you felt a sense of like being pulled out of yourself when doing ministry? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's definitely you know. It's definitely a selfless ministry. You know, yeah. you're not focused on yourself. Um, you're really focused on the people you encounter um, in their lives, you know, what they have to say. Um, but, you know, it's also a time commitment. You know, it's like, you know, a reason most people don't want to come out. It's like, well, it's kind of like two hours, you know, I have to take some time out of my week, um, you know. But maybe it's just they don't realize, you know. It's it's kind of hard, you know. You have to get people initially out of their out of their bubble, and, you know, to get, you know, to that first. And, you know, I really when you get to that first time, you go to carriage in, when you really see people lying in their beds, you know, kind of like some mentally uh, having mental deficiencies, you know, not all there. But you see the person, and you know when you really get to see them for their situation in life, that really changes you, you know. And even when I first started the ministry, I was like, you know, I, I'm doing this for them, and you know, I get some benefit out of it. Um, but I was like, I gotta be here for these people. You know, I just, you know, there's many things, other things I could be doing on a Sunday afternoon. I could be friends. I could be watching TV. I could be, you know, on my phone. But I just saw that, you know, these are just wasted time. Honestly, I'm just, you know, <clears throat> why would I do something for myself that's honestly, you know, you know. They're supposed to rest on the Lord's day, um, but I'm not resting. I'm, uh, I'm not even taking like leisure, like real leisure. Yeah. In Catholic definition, I'm just being lazy in a sense. You know, it's just for me. Hmm. Um, but that that kind of like changed me when I realized, you know, these people really enjoy me coming to see them. You know, they really get a sense that, you know, and they're you know some of them really lonely. That you know I'm not really alone. You know, there's there's people that want to encounter me and you know listen to what I have to say and you know pray with me um and that really had a deep impact on me you know and created more of a like an aspect of not being so self-centered but really giving my time to others and even in other things too just yeah outside of Kerogen no honestly like yeah that's why I brought up Kerogen um because just friends just doing ministry itself just it is a, a sacrifice of one's time and you know as Ryan said earlier, that's part of being a priest. You know, we're, we're all baptized as priest, prophet, and king. And we're called, yes, to manage our lives well. We're not called to, like, just do whatever we want, you know, and just throw our schedules to the wind. But we can make time for other people. Maybe it doesn't even have to be um, a ministry. Maybe you can be there more for your family. Maybe they're the ones who need you. Give your mom a call. Give your grandma a call. The, the people in your lives who, who need you most. And um, thinking back to carriage and ministry, you know, something that saddens me, Ryan, when uh, with some of the residents I see there 
is that I can tell that some of them just stare at a screen all day. Yeah. And I think, I think that's so sad. And, and one of the reasons why Kerrigan is so good that we can give them that human relational ministry there. Um, I think it was St. Teresa of Avila who said that one day Satan will have a little box in everyone's homes through which he will speak through. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying that all TV does that. In fact, I'm taking Worldview of Catholic Media, a class by Dr. Gon here at Franciscan, and he emphasizes how media can be used to inspire us, especially through beauty, yeah. through great stories. Um, yeah, to to see, you know, to see the witness of God in our lives. Even watching sports, you know, yeah, that inspires us as athletes particularly, but it it shows great discipline and stuff. Seeing models of virtue there out in the playing field. But there are ways, however, where we've become too focused on our little black boxes in our houses and then even in our hands. To me, I would say it is the phone, honestly, that has made us less charitable to me, I would say. Um, phones and especially like the bright colors on them, it's shown that those are th- those give, uh, they send neurons through our brain that specifically, what's the word I'm looking for, stimulate basically. and. Uh, we become addicted to it. Our brains are constantly looking for that stimulation. Our phones are built for addiction. And it's it's not necessarily built to our material good. And to me, friends, from what I've learned from my class of worldview of Catholic media, yes, media is a good thing, but it's good to unplug a couple times. My brother just went on a retreat, and he really, uh, something, Ryan, that he really learned yeah. was uh, appreciation of nature. And just enjoying God's nature outside. The beautiful... It's fall right now. And there's some beautiful foliage here in Ohio. And just taking quiet time for God. Honestly, like, the way the catechism defined charity, it all starts with our relationship with God. You know, like, um, if we make quiet time for God... And I'm not... I need to get better at this myself, friends. But... I need to just take some time not to like petition to God, petition, 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 but take some time to listen. I mean, that, as you were saying earlier, Ryan, that was when you were felt called. That's yeah. when you, that your summer changed when you were listening to God. And to me, I think that's the first stepping step, <laughs> stepping stone yeah. to growing in charity, <clears throat> just making time to listen to God. And then um, St. Teresa of Avila also said, I've been reading a, a little booklet that's based on uh, some of her readings that, you know, it's one thing to say you love God, but if you don't love your neighbor, you never really love God to begin with. Uh, love with neighbor and love and God go hand in hand. Like very few people are called to be hermits. And uh, yes, we are called to serve those around us, but even those who we find annoying, we're called to be charitable towards. We're, we're not called to necessarily like them personally, but we're just called to love them as as jesus would you know just be kind yeah and i'd like to add on the point kind of like the phone um like you're saying about kind of like the culture and especially the culture of death that's been emphasized not only just death but kind of like death of the soul yeah you know the, the culture really trying to destroy the soul and not only that but also distract it from what's central and what's important yeah it is ultimately you know our relationship with god and our relationship with other people so, you know, if we're so bent on, you know, spending two, three hours on our phone every day, you know, social media, YouTube, you know, just news articles, 
we become so centered on that and even and looking back in life and you know just how much time I've wasted on video games that I spent so much time in a, like a false reality you know and glued to a screen that I just felt myself never interiorly searching my own soul um, which is important because I feel like in today's culture there's a lot of just, we just become so distracted by our work by our schedules um, and especially our phones that we're just trying to like avoid something in a particular, a particular sense you know mm. avoid the silence and Father uh, Jack Philippe talks about that is that you know the culture today really tries to avoid silence because they really try to avoid what's inside you know mm. when they realize their own you know nothingness their own emptiness and you know almost feeling naked in a sense that then when they hear that there's nothing there that they just like they can't stand it you know just yes. to be like they can't stand to like just be in their thoughts they yeah. feel i don't know empty empty just nothing yeah. um <clears throat> and you know that's where you know god speaks is in the silence most often which is kind of like weird because you know he's god he's all omnipotent and you know big and why does he condense himself so small and you think that well everything else around us seems so big and you know so bright and so you know our phones everything tries to attract us in a sense but then god says well i'm going to come into the silence um and when you know you really dive into the silence and you get to speak to god you get to know him um, and you get to know that what he's focused on is really love. Um, and you begin to see those, you know, created aspects of our, even ourselves, you know, for the, for the true, the good, and the beautiful. That's what we're created for. Yes. Um, and when you really begin to spend that time and, you know, deep prayer, and especially that's emphasized, you know, uh, our formation is that, you know, that one-on-one -on -one connection with God, um, you really begin to see, you know, charity in its, its finest aspect. The, you know, the created excellence of God, giving praise for him for that. Um, but also for the people surrounding me, you know, to love your neighbor as yourself. Um, and even through a lot of my psychology and, you know, spiritual life, combining that human, you know, and spiritual nature of things, um, I begin to really see the uniqueness of each, you know, individual person hmm. who they are. You know, everybody has different temperaments. Everybody has different personalities, characteristics that make them alone that person you know they're nobody else and you think there's right. billions of people in the world and how is it that every single person is like unique and i think the basis of charity is being able to see that uniqueness of god's well especially in people uniqueness of god's creation in every single human being um and yeah. being able to like have a sense of joy in that you know that everybody yes. i meet every I encounter is you know God's child and you know unique child and that you know there's a created excellence there that needs to be giving due praise you know and really being able to see that and really being able to you know in your encounters with people um being able to recognize that will help you to appreciate them a lot more and respect them a lot more you know because like you're saying our culture they kind of uses people as commodities you know what can they mm. do for us you know how can they serve me right you know what can I get from them but rather, it's, you know, it's got to be a different perspective. It's got to be, you know, who they are, yeah. you know, is what's really important. And even in conversation, Ryan, I think people expect that, like, oh, if this person's not interesting, I don't have to talk to them or, like, I, I can just leave them. 
and that's <clears throat> I think like or like how can this person serve my interests and stuff I think that's a great tragedy I find in our social conversations today at least like hmm people are like oh this person's socially awkward so I'm not going to yeah. talk to them but like they need to realize that no this person is just as valuable as yourself just as valuable as the very interesting person to talk yeah. to and if you, you really deserve that think about it, you know what's at the heart of people and what we've mistaken through the culture is that people want to be known but they do it in the wrong way mm. you know they want to post to social media they want everybody to know what they're doing um you know they want especially guys you know we like to flex we like to, you know like we have to like to have these you know huge muscular bodies and you know women sometimes with makeup we want to display ourselves um so that the world can see us you know because you want to know people people want to express themselves and yeah. that's a good thing everyone has a desire yeah to be known mm -hmm. yeah and so i think that really comes from a lack you know that extraness of you know being able to express ourselves in ways that you know aren't always good you know especially the body and the way we expose ourselves mm. um there's a deeper emphasis in our in our culture um but i think that really comes from a lack of people appreciating others for who they are yes you know instead of what they can get out of them um and that makes people tend to express themselves more because they aren't being recognized and known and loved for who they are yeah really yeah, and that takes it back to carriage in. Like when when the old people sometimes they talk for a really long time, but that's because they feel known. They feel <clears throat> excuse me, they feel seen, and just assuring them of that dignity just by listening to them, um, it's beautiful. I think it was like C.S. Lewis. I might be getting the quote wrong, but he said if we knew the value of a human person, of a human soul, we'd be tempted to just like fall down prostrate. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I think that's so remarkable. Like. Especially sometimes if you're like, you're really annoyed with someone, like, just remember, you are talking to, you are dealing with an immortal soul. Like, every, inter this is thought just occurred to me. It's been something I've been talking about with um, my girlfriend, Amy, but mm. every human interaction you have has been divinely appointed. Like, isn't that crazy? Like, yeah, it is crazy. Yeah, like, every conversation has been appointed by God. And sometimes you may not know why you're having this conversation. It may be the most fruitless thing you've ever experienced in your life. But just know that like that, that conversation, that relationship in that brief time means, it means something. And like, we need to take advantage of that uh, to show charity. Yeah. 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 And so even then going back to like the phones. Yeah. <clears throat> like if you're on your phone constantly, you know, even if you're walking around, you're missing out on some of those, you know, divinely appointed encounters that God That's really true. wants you to have. Yeah. Um, or like those, if you have your earbuds in the room. Yeah. And yeah. those opportunities to, you know, encounter every like individual, unique human person that God puts in your life. Um, and that's really something that God wants, you know, he wants us to, to flourish as humans, but especially flourishing by being in communion with one another. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of like a cycle. We're in communion with God you know, we're in communion with other people, but all those flow together, you know, in a sense that we worship and praise God for who he is. Um, and out of that regard, God desires us to love. And so we love our neighbor, but instead, you know, that love is supposed to be returned. And even when it doesn't, it always goes back to God, you know, falls, flows in this circular motion. Yeah. Um, and even in the mass, um, <clears throat> it's kind of like a circular motion too, 
like God is coming down to us to be present on the altar. And then at the end of the priestly prayer, the priest offers God back to God, which is kind of weird. It's, you know, offering Jesus back to God. Um, But it's that notion of, you know, God coming down to us, but then us returning our praise to God, especially for his excellence, you know, his uncreated being. Yeah, yeah. To me, one of the things I admire most about uh, Franciscan is the household life, honestly. Like, as you said, everyone desires to be part of something, to be in community. And I think that households provide that for students here at Franciscan. Or I'm not a part of a household myself, but like being part of a team, especially a Christian Catholic team. And uh, yeah, just finding community, honestly, is, is so precious for the glorification of God. But, yeah, yeah. I think, to me, virtuous friendship, I think, is something that needs to be cultivated more. I think people are obsessed a lot about dating now and mm-hmm. about, um, for Catholics, like, finding my vocation and stuff. But honestly, like, virtuous friendships, I think, is something I want to be more of a buzzword, if you ask me, around campus, around our world. Because friendships aren't virtuous nowadays. Um, <clears throat> people just have friends to have fun with people. And that's good. That's good. But C.S. Lewis, talking about him again, has a a book about friendship. Um, I think it's The Four Loves, actually. He might also have another book. But just virtuous friendship is one where you challenge the other person to become a better person of themselves. And that's that's true charity right Mm -hmm. there. And I think think people on campus need to have more of that. and just people in general, like, find accountability partners. And that's what's good about households. They, they challenge you to grow in your faith. But, yeah, if, if friendship is just a passing thing, where it's just to have fun, it's just, oh, I like this. I like talking about this as well. Let's talk about it. And, but then you don't, you don't keep it up. It's not, it's not, a, it's not necessarily a fruitful friendship. It may be good in the moment, but... There's something in the human heart that wants something that's lasting, something that's something that's permanent, and and friendship is obviously you can't be friends with everyone, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah, but you need to. To me, I would say this, viewers, find a, a few close friends of yourself for yourself, and then just challenge yourself to grow in relationship with them, and ask them how you can become like a better friend, a better person. Um, this is good. Obviously, you can do this with your significant other as well. But I think this just starts a great starting point, honestly. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just... Something something about virtuous friendship just called me to share it on here. Yeah. All right. Well, we have talked for... Woo! Hour 10 minutes. Yeah, it didn't feel that long. No, it did not. Yeah. And yeah, about... To sum up here, we've talked about... Ryan's vocation story. We've talked about um, running and koinonia and carriage. Ryan, one last question. Going forward, where are you headed? Like, Well, um, that's an interesting question because, well, <laughs> I try to take it one day at a time, but kind of like initial plans for next year is that I'd like to start my master's in mental health counseling um, and still can you continue discerning. Um, but maybe even possibly... Um, if I'm looking towards a religious order, I might even consider joining the TORs on campus. Really? Um, that kind of, the Franciscan TORs. Hmm. Or um, 
going back to my diocese to start seminary there. Right. So about another year of, you know, starting on my master's and still running um, and still being on campus. Hmm. Very good. Very good. Well, yeah, I'll be praying for you, Ryan. Yeah. Thank that. you. Yeah. Friends, you have been listening to Fruits for Thought here with Ryan Ozimi. Um, yeah. Thanks so much for tuning in. Next week or uh, the next time we do the podcast, I'll be having uh, Danny Donovan on the show. So stay tuned. And we will be talking about the virtue of joy. Danny's a, a pretty joyous guy. Someone just described him once as newly shined shoes with a whoopee cushion. <laughs> so anyway, but Ryan, thanks so much for being on the show today. Absolutely. Till next time, I'm Miguel Daez.